Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello, and welcome to yet another another episode of. I actually really don't know what to call this one. We're kind of previewing a couple of games, so I guess it could be a Der Ausblick, and we're doing more of that than we're doing in After 90 Minutes. So yeah, I'll call this a Der Ausblick episode, where today we are going to recap the German national team's terrible performances against Switzerland and Ukraine. We will also be more Switzerland than Ukraine. We will also be going ahead and looking at Bayern Munich's upcoming two matches before the Champions League next Wednesday. Uh, DFB Pokal match against uh, Erste FC Düren and a Bundesliga match against Armenia Bielefeld at the weekend. So today, to help me out with that, I am joined by Tom Adams and Chuck Smith. Guys, how are you doing on this Tuesday night? Jake, I'm doing really well. Uh, I am looking forward to Bayern Munich being back in action after this international break. Uh, It has been painful, of course, for anyone who follows Germany. So yeah, let's get Bayern back in the mix here. Yeah, I mean, these international breaks, man, they feel like they take forever to go by, and sometimes they're the most boring thing. You know, insert rose from Titanic. It's been 84 years, meme, gif, whatever you want to call it, but that's what it feels like. But at the time of recording, very, very happy that the international break is finally over and we can get back to Bayern. Before we get into Bayern, uh, and the guys know what's about to come, but um, I live in northeastern Connecticut. Over the weekend, uh, I went to a professional soccer match. That's right, everybody. Uh, Thanks to the fact that Connecticut has been behaving in terms of social distancing, and thanks to the fact that the USL is allowing some fans with the clubs following local ordinances to be in the stadium to watch games, I was able to go to the first ever playoff game in the history of Hartford Athletic. If you uh, follow various uh, people, or if you know uh, various people within soccer media, you may have seen their support for it over the weekend. And Chuck's going to love this. Right, this is gonna be a throwback for Chuck. Chuck, you want to know who sent out a promotional video to go support uh, Hartford Athletic? Oh, please do tell. Kevin Deneen. Oh my, Kevin Deneen, the former Flyer and Hartford Whalers great. Kevin Deneen, the final captain in the history of the Hartford Whalers. And I'll just I'll just go on this. Uh very very small tangent. The Hartford Whalers were a hockey team that had some very very good players and a very very bad owner who hated the fans in Hartford, moved the team down to Carolina, called them the Hurricanes. Uh in my mind they are usurpers. Uh to put things lightly, they are bastards and I hate them all. All of the fans in Raleigh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, and I will personally ban you from the website and from ever listening to this podcast again, because I'm a Bruins fan first and foremost, but that's only because the Hartford Whalers were taken away from me. I hate 
Montreal Canadiens fan, Montreal fans, you can come and find me and fight me as well. But the only thing that I think I hate more than Duke basketball and not, not even Borussia Dortmund, my three hates in this life are Duke basketball fans, Montreal Canadiens fans, and Carolina Hurricane fans, especially the Hurricane fans that like like to rub it in the face of people from Connecticut that they're never going to go back, even though they lead the league in the worst attendance in the NHL five years in a row. Regardless, I'm not salty about it. Uh, Hartford had its first professional playoffs this weekend for the first time since game six of the Adams division semifinals in 1992, when the Hartford Whalers defeated the Montreal Canadiens in overtime before they went back to uh, the Montreal forum and absolutely got their butts wiped the floor with, and then they never made the playoffs ever again. But anyways, cutting back to soccer, Hartford Athletic played in their first ever playoff game in their second year of existence. It was a fantastic game. Hartford was the most, I don't care. We were playing St. Louis FC. I don't care if anybody from St. Louis saw the game and they think that St. Louis was the most dominant team. Um, You're wrong. You're, you're just wrong. You're incredibly wrong. Hartford was the more dominant team. They controlled ball possession. They put up a lot of shots on goal. And then here's what happened at the very end. There was a foul. And there was a handball. In the box, the referee saw none of them. St. Louis counterattacked. And then they scored. And then that was in the 90th plus two minutes. And that was it. That was the end of the game. So I'm still salty about it. I'm salty at the refs for missing an obvious handball call that was right in front of him and one of the side linesmen. Um, You should all be ashamed of yourselves. And uh, for Hartford Athletic, for the owner, Bruce Mandel, for all the players, uh, whether we're talking about Danny Barrera, Barrera, uh, Chano Guzman, uh, Alex Dixon, a bunch of people that a lot of people at home for Bayern fans are probably saying, who the hell are these people? Um, Except for the few, the maybe the one guy that I've seen consistently at Hartford Athletic Games wearing a Bayern Munich jersey. If he listens to this podcast, he'll know who they are. But um, I'm proud of that team. I'm happy that I was able to go see some soccer this summer. I was happy that I was able to go and see some uh, professional playoff soccer. Playoffs in Hartford are back. That's fantastic. Um And yeah, I just wish things went our way, but being a sports fan in Hartford, things hardly, hardly ever do. Uh, Just like the way things go for fans of the German national team these days, I was saying to these guys before I started the podcast, it's been a very long time since I've watched a German national team game. And this 3-3 draw to Switzerland shows exactly why I don't like to watch this team anymore. I've already talked a lot. Chuck, I know you watched a good portion of this game, if not the entire game. Why don't you go ahead and lay out the problems for us? Jake, you're right. I was in this from start to finish, and I got to say, it was typical of every issue and every problem that the team has had. Now, Yogi Love switched back to a back four in this game to try and offset some of the Swiss talent 
and kind of trying to alleviate the pressure he was putting on the back three that he had previously rolled out. And without Nicholas Sula, this was going to be a big challenge, whether he used a back three or back four. In the end, it just was another example of how the game has sort of passed Yogi Love by at this point and how lost he is in dealing with this roster. Uh, Not only was the defensive unit a disaster, I mean, uh, it made me feel sorry for Manuel Neuer today. He was under constant pressure. Anytime the offense, which was very good today, built any kind of momentum, the defense was there to let everyone down. It was completely deflating. If you want to take anything good about this game, it's that the offensive players and that core group of Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Serge Gnabry uh, as the leaders, they really played well, I thought. They did a lot of good things. Uh, You could see that the talent is there and they're starting to get an idea of how to play together. The bad thing was obviously Yogi Love's coaching and the defense. Now, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, they didn't really assert themselves like you would expect. And Tony Cruz is another player who is not impacting the game anymore. And, and and I really want to touch on him because he is a great player. And I think we would all agree that over the years, he's been such a an important facet to Germany's game. But when Yogi Love decided to move on from Thomas Muller, from Mats Hummels, and from Jerome Boateng, it made no sense to me that Tony Cruz kind of got this free pass. And now it's time for Cruz to get to the bench. I think that... You know, and this is something I put out on the website this week that Yogi Love needs to move to a 4-2-3-1 and he needs to do it now. He needs to maximize the talent that he has. And granted, right now they're without Leroy Sané. But when he comes back, you'll actually have an offense that is going to have unrivaled pace. You'll have a, a midfield that is anchored by a double pivot of Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, who are, who you know, they were only good enough to win a Champions League. I mean, I know that Tiago played a big role there in the final, but for the better part of last season, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, they were the the cornerstones of the midfield there. And and a back four that would feature Nicholas Sula, who hopefully, you know, he was only held out as a precaution today. That would be a good way to start. I think that Yogi Love needs to narrow it down and make it simple and put his best 11 on the field. And he never does that, Jake. And, and Tom, I know that you're, you're with me on this. If you're not putting your best 11 on the field, it's a failure from the beginning. So for me, this was another frustrating game. I, I was not happy with the result, even though Germany showed some resilience I'm really disappointed in Yogi Love and the fact that he's still the manager of this team. I think it's time for a change. We've been kind of beating this drum for a while, but it's showing right now that the team does have some talent, but he's not utilizing it. And in fact, he, in a lot of cases, he's using the wrong talent. Yeah, Chuck, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with everything there. I mean, I, I think the time for a change in the managerial position just kind of came and went Um and we can kind of just have to accept that now because the DFB are absolutely not going to get rid of love going into this summer's Euros, you know, for everything that it's worth. And, you know, all things considered, too, I mean, yes, he should have gone, but taking these matches at face value uh, in the Nations League, they're glorified friendlies uh, in an unprecedented season uh, where everyone has had to deal with the coronavirus, where everything is so truncated. So the camps leading up to these matches are so short. 
compared with you know the, the the club coaches where these guys play and they're they're constantly drilling their methods and, and and their tactics and what they want their players to be doing you know week day in and day out of, of every week but you know taking that into consideration I mean both of these matches against Switzerland and the Ukraine all of the errors were almost self-made and they do all stem from the back you know against the Ukraine we saw a back three of Rudiger uh, Nikola Zula Matthias Ginter with Halstenberg and Klosterman as the wingbacks uh, against Switzerland as you mentioned Chuck we switched to a back four Klosterman Ginter Rudiger uh, Robin Gosens who I thought kind of looked lost you know he's so used to playing a back three at Atalanta but you know, he, he looked at times where he, he didn't know where his two center backs were in Ginter and Rudiger, and I thought particularly those two, just the spaces in between those two were, were just way too large, and it was just almost begging the question of Switzerland to just say, come on and attack us because these spaces are wide open. Uh, and, and Manuel Neuer, who I thought didn't have his best game, you know, they didn't, didn't do him any favors at all. Um, it, you know, it's just all of these guys play in different systems uh, – at their clubs, whether it's a back three or back four with, with two wing backs like Klosterman and Halstenberg, obviously at uh, RB Leipzig, but it's just the system. I get it. Yogi Love has to make these experimentations. He has to see what uh, could possibly work, uh, areas that he needs to focus on. But, you know, for us as fans watching this, it's just another, you know, kind of here we go again type of moments. But, you know, he has to have the time to, to make these tweaks and to see different guys in different positions. But I, I think just so much of the, the pain and the heartache comes from the fact that these things should have happened long ago, uh, immediately after the 2018 World Cup, or perhaps even, you know, giving Love the benefit of the doubt uh, after the Nations League, after the World Cup, when we had played pretty disastrously. Uh, so with that said... He needs to get the personnel right. I do agree with you, Chuck. I think uh, the back three just hasn't worked. I think with this back four today, this is the first time we've seen that back four. I don't even know if this back four has ever started together. Um, and, and if they have, someone can correct me. I'm not sure when this this would have happened with Klosterman, Ginter, Rudiger, and uh, Gosens. But, yeah, I mean, something's got to give. And, Chuck, as you said, I think the attacking talent uh, and the midfield talent is, is there. And, as you mentioned, the sticking with Cruz is, is a decision that love has to uh, kind of live with, you know, he made that bed. And so he has to kind of to sleep in it, so to speak, but the attacking talent is there, whether it's Havertz, Goretzka, Gnabry, Timo Werner, your boy, obviously Chuck, you know, as we saw today, the attacking talent is, is there. Um, I'm personally an advocate of, you know, wanting to have a more natural, natural number nine up top, but you know, for what it's worth, I, I think Germany doesn't need that with the talent they have. Uh, an attack, but that defense really, really needs to improve, and uh, it, it's got to happen quickly. Absolutely, Tom. And those three goals that Germany had today, I mean, all three of them were excellent. It showed that those three players, and, and while I'm not going to sit here and tell you like they're going to produce like that every time out, but Havertz, Werner, and Gnabry, they – they were able to interchange today. They were able to move around, and that's what this team needs. Without the presence of someone like Robert Lewandowski or Erling Haaland in the middle, that's how Germany has to survive. That's how they have to play offense. They have to move around. They have to use their speed. And at times today, you really saw that potential. But unfortunately, under Yogi Love, we haven't seen it enough. Allow me to expand on a tweet that I put out. By the time that this podcast has been released, I will have already released an article talking about how I think Yogi Love needs to be fired. 
It will be the second such article that I've written in my tenure here at Bavarian Football Works. Um, shout out to Taylor Twelman, by the way. Um, I put out this tweet. I tagged Taylor Twelman in it, and in fairness, reading it again, like it kind of looks like I'm shouting him out for being wrong, except for the fact that I led in with, this is not a shot at Taylor Twelman. But he made the comment saying that Love is about to face a lot of criticism. And I may have missed a word or two in what he was saying, but like his point was made that like he's going to face more criticism. Um, and that the team has looked terrible over the last four games. And I agree. But if you really dive deep into Germany's results since the 2018 World Cup, you will realize that they have not been bad in the last four games. I'm going to say they've been bad over almost all of them. If you look at Yogi Love's entire body of work during and since 2018, because some of these games were played in 2018, you have to completely criticize it. And I know that there are a couple of people that write for our website that are very pro Yogi Love, and I'm not going to call them out. All I'm going to do is let the numbers speak for themselves. These are the results that Germany has had since the World Cup. Nil-nil to France, 3-0 loss to the Dutch, 2-1 loss to the French, 2-2 draw with the Dutch, 1-1 draw with the Serbians, 3-2 win over the Dutch, 2-0 win over Belarus, 8-0 win over Estonia, 4-2 loss to the Dutch, 2-0 win over Northern Ireland, a 2-2 draw with Argentina, a 3-0 win over Estonia, a 4-0 win over Belarus, 6-1 over Northern Ireland. And then... 1-1 1-1 draw with Spain, 1-1 draw with Switzerland, 3-3 draw with Turkey, a 2-1 win over Sweet over uh sorry, not Sweden, Ukraine, and then a 3-3 draw with Switzerland. For those of you that obviously didn't keep track with that, allow me to tell you what that record is. That's a record of 8 wins, 8 draws, 3 losses for the German national team. Not only over the Nations League, but including friendlies. And that's not taking into account two things. Estonia and Belarus have never qualified for the World Cup since they were a part of the Soviet Union. They have never qualified individually as countries. Northern Ireland has not qualified for a World Cup since 1986. So, if you take out the two wins against Northern Ireland, the two wins against Estonia, and the two wins against Belarus, what do you have? You have a win over a Ukraine team that last qualified for the World Cup in 2006. You have a 3-2 win over the Dutch that failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And that's it. That's it. When they faced teams that have qualified for the last four World Cups, so 2006, 2010, 2014, and 2018, the German national team in 2018 has a record of two wins, eight draws, three losses. How is that an acceptable record in friendlies and in the Nations League, which is a competition that almost doesn't count, for Die Mannschaft, a four-time World Cup winner. It is not acceptable. It is not acceptable at all. Add on to the fact 
that Yogi Love has basically alienated the best German player you could argue this year in Thomas Müller and roll out a lineup on the back line that doesn't include Mats Hummels, because you've ignored him, that doesn't include Jerome Boateng, because you've ignored him, and start a back four of Gosens, Rüdiger, who was awful, Matthias Ginter, and Lucas Klosterman. You replace Ginter with Emre Chan, who is mostly by trade a central defensive midfielder. And you kept, as you mentioned, yes, Nick Sula was cautioned, but Nick was on the sidelines and he probably could have played a little bit. And as much as he's prone to gaffes, I'd argue that Jonathan Ta is a better center back than Matthias Ginter is right now. And people can disagree with me on that, and that's perfectly fine. Because they're both kind of bad. But it goes back to a point that Chuck made. He consistently does not roll out his best lineups. And I don't care if it's a 3-3 draw against Switzerland or a World Cup qualifier. If you are the German national team, you have an expectation of dominance in the midfield, in attack, and in defense. And a 3-3 draw does not scream that. And a record against competitive teams of 2-8-3 definitely does not scream that. The fact that Yogi Love has been given passes ever since 2018 for what he did, which... Some people will argue that was mostly just Hansi Flick just saying. The fact that he is given passes for consistently poor decision-making and performances is turning people away from watching the German national team. And all I'm wondering now is, what is it going to take to get him fired? Because at this point, I don't even think the Euros are going to cut it. I think the only way that he gets fired even if Germany not gets knocked out of the first round of the Euros, I don't think the DFB will fire him then. So he's going to lead the German national team to the 2022 World Cup, and then they will crash out again in terrible fashion with a great cast of characters because Yogi Love is unable to adapt and change his lineup that won him the World Cup. He's done it in some cases. He's done it with Havertz. He's done it with Gnabry. He's done it with Werner. But does he actually want to make those changes? Or is he making those changes out of necessity? Whether it's like Miroslav Klose and he's retired and you're forced to your hand necessity? Or is it because your ego has gotten in the way and you're not going to put Thomas Müller in your lineup necessity. It's gotten to the point where the German national team has become unwatchable. It's become annoying to look at them. It's become painful to look at the lineups that Yogi Love rolls out every single day. And there needs to be a change, and there's needed to be a change ever since the German national team got knocked out by South Korea in 2018. Now, Jake, here's the real question. Does it also make you hate turtlenecks even more? Turtlenecks have never been in style, Tom, so I've always hated turtlenecks. And that's just a that's a silly question. <laughs> I gotta hear Chuck's take on this as a fashion expert himself. I, I will say I haven't I haven't really rocked the turtleneck. 
um, since like eighth grade, which would puts me right around 1989. So probably had a nice cool cardigan to go along with it. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool back then. <laughs> we, I think we need to see pictures of that someday in the BFW vault. I, I, I will, I will also brace you for this dude i had a n- it'll be hidden in there along with nico kovach's 99 yes look yes but I, not even nico kovach could could match the awesome uh high top fade that i was rocking back in the day like i had a big high flat top dude it was great no, oh my goodness yeah man <laughs> no you did not yeah no you did not I cannot imagine you with yes, a high top yeah. fade, Chuck. <laughs> you were not that cool in high school, man. I I know you now. You were not that cool in high school. I can just tell. I can just tell from the very big dad energy that you exude now. You were not cool enough to rock a high top fade. And I don't know which friends told you to go and get it, but I hope Truth, they're not I used of to have now. one of my friends cut it. That's how great I was. I went all in. I didn't even go to the barber for that. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, you know, you think with all the time they spent together, maybe Hansi Flick would have given uh, Yogi Love some fashion advice, you know, with his uh, his polos and his fancy jackets on the touchlines that he sports now at Bayern because these turtlenecks, man. And, like, I mean, has Yogi Love just, like, always had that hairdo as well? I mean, the guy maybe needs to learn to change it up. I think he maybe he just misses Hansi Flick. Maybe that's the magic touch that just... Uh, has has evaded him ever since Hansi Flick has gone to greener pastures, so to speak. Greener, bigger, and better pastures. So we're around the 25-minute mark of this podcast, and we're now going to be able to try to wrap this up in 30 minutes. And we will be able to do that because the two teams that we are talking about next, we really don't have a lot on them. It's uh, Ersta FC Duren, a team that plays in the... Um, the Mittelrheinliga, uh, a division in the Oberliga, a fifth division league in Germany. We really don't know a lot about them, and we don't really know a lot about their players. So we will segue into or combine this question with the question about the team Bayern is going to face with the Bundesliga coming up, a 10th place side in Armenia Bielefeld, and now Anyone that plays Fantasy Bundesliga will know important names like Fabian Klos, who was the Zweite Liga leading scorer last year. He's really great in the air. They have a couple of midfielders that have really impressive heat maps. But outside of that, I'm kind of surprised that they were even able to get a win in their first three games. And that's a great thing. But what I'm more concerned about is this Bayern team. Because what we saw in the last two weeks, we saw Bayern play four games. They played four games in only a matter of like nine or ten days, and they didn't look great. They played two Super Cup matches, so two matches for trophies. They won both trophies, thank God. Um, They had one very close call with Hertha Berlin, and then they lost a game to Hoffenheim. Badly to Hoffenheim. So my question is, with Durden this week, Armenia this week, and then next week's matchup in the Champions League, the first game of the Champions League for Bayern Munich is at home versus Atletico de Madrid. And that's not going to be an easy game. That's not going to be an easy three-game sweep, not to mention Bayern's then going to have to play a Bundesliga game right after playing a team on Wednesday. So... 
a, a couple of the Bayern players have been called up to German national team, Austrian national team, wherever they're off to. How are we feeling about the fitness level of this team going into this next couple round of fixtures? This is a, this is really a scary part of the schedule. I mean, first and foremost, you worry about the players being able to make it through this injury free and you want them all to stay fit. But this is really going to be challenging. I think that Hansi Flick is going to take this approach. And I think it's pretty common knowledge now that for the Pokal match, he's going to rotate heavily. We're going to see a lot of these newcomers, Mark Roca, uh, we'll see Chupo, uh, John Dillon's favorite there, maybe Bunasar. We're going to see all of them because Bayern simply needs to get players fresh. From there, I think what Flick will do is just take the Armenia game and he'll probably roll out his best 11 or, or close to his best 11, but use every sub that he can in that game to get the guys fresh for the following week. It, it, this is a really tough part of the schedule. I mean, I think, you know, we all look at this and, and this is, this has potential to go really bad, but you know, flick has, has seemed to have a, a nice bead on this team and this roster and he gets the most out of them. And I think he'll be able to manage a way through this, but it is scary. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, there's no disguising it. He's going to make heavy, heavy rotations for this pull call match. And, uh, you know, I, I might not be 100% on Chuck's pronunciations of some of our new boys, but <laughs> likely we're, we are going... I'm not 100% on your pronunciation of the word pronunciation <laughs> there, Tom. You want to try that again? Uh, maybe we can just delete that from the episode <laughs> unless you just want to give everyone a laugh. No I'm all for everyone no just chance, uh, laughing at me just to have a laugh and brighten their days, but... Yeah, as Chuck mentioned, the rotations are going to be made. We'll see some of the new boys. Uh, I'm curious to see if uh, Roca will maybe pair Javi Martinez in midfield or if he's just going to go with one, quote-unquote, holding midfielder. Uh, obviously, we probably want to go with an attacking lineup against uh, a side like Duran, uh, as we should. Uh, Buana Sar, Chuapo Moatang. Um, maybe even we'll see uh, Chuck's golden boy, Fita Arp, in the lineup somewhere. Who knows? This could be uh, could be an opportunity for him as well. Be, be still my beating Don't heart. Don't goad him. Don't goad him. You're you're giving him delusions of grandeur. Tom. Well, I think it was uh, It's kind of devastating. To I watch. mean, a famous president. I don't know. It was if JFK or something. He said, "If not now, then when?" or something along those lines. <laughs> so I mean, why not? Fita Arp. You know, this this could be a massive opportunity for him, but. You know, on a serious note, too, I mean, this is just something that Hansi Flick has to take note of. Jake, as you mentioned, uh, Armenia Bielefeld have a lot of great uh, midfielders, a very, very physical side. I watched their opening match against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. You know, they are not an easy outfit to go up against. Very, very physical players in midfield. Manuel Pritul, who's on my fantasy team, is great, great value for a differential player. Uh, Sebio Suaku, pacey guy up front. Uh, as you mentioned, Klaus up front. He actually leads the league in aerial duels one. It's a very, very big presence up front that could be very dangerous, especially for our shaky back line. Um, yeah, so it's not going to be an easy match, and I think, just as Chuck mentioned, we're going to see as close to strong strongest eleven um, as we as we can, based on who's fit and available. Lewandowski got that ankle contusion with Poland against Italy in the Nations League. He was training with the Polish team today and is expected to play tomorrow. Uh, at the time we're recording, uh, I forget who they play. Um, I'm completely drawing a blank, but hopefully he's 
uh, comes through completely fit, unscathed, and is ready to go on Saturday and next week in the Champions League. And speaking of Champions League, we have a fun special with a special guest coming up to preview every single group stage group in this competition. Uh, we will be releasing that later this week after this episode comes out. But until then, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Dare Ausblick. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. And until next time, when we release that episode, we will see you later. Best of luck to the team. Best of luck to the boys. Best of luck to all of you out there. Auf Wiedersehen.